Well, like uh, Chip mentioned, we're wrapping up our series on family matters. That doesn't mean that like family stops mattering after, after the series. It's still an important thing. Uh, but we've talked about what God's ideal for the family is, what it looks like to raise children in a godly household, how to manage conflict, what it means to leave a legacy. And today we're going to look at what Scripture has to say about the family we choose, which also happens to be possibly maybe the most controversial sermon that will be a part of this sermon series. Although last week I said something pretty controversial. If you, if you missed that, you can check it out. It's preserved on Facebook for about 30 second clip. You'll, you'll enjoy it, trust me, if you go check that out. Most of the time when we think about family, we talk, we, you know, we think about, we talk about the people that we're related to, the people that we live in a household with, and none of that happens by choice. Right? None of us picked our parents, none of us picked our siblings, even though maybe we, we really wish we could, have, we could have done that. Not me, though. I have an amazing younger sister, uh, the best younger sister that, that you could ever hope for. And so she's, she's incredible. I don't think she'll hear this at all, but my mom might. And so, you know, we don't, we don't pick our, our family. We don't choose our extended family. But what if you could? Or what if, what if you had that opportunity? What would you do with that? Have you ever... You ever wistfully thought about, oh, if I could only have picked my family, this is, this is what I would have done. Like, what kind of criteria would you have used when, if you could have picked your own family growing up? I mean, certainly as a kid, we've all wondered what it would be like to be someone else, to, to be in some other situation or live in some other place, you know, to be, you know, what it was like if you, you, you were Batman or Luke Skywalker, what, whatever it might, might have been. And, you know, maybe, maybe you had a friend of yours growing up that had a TV in their room. I don't know. I mean, I didn't, so I don't know what that's, that's like. Or maybe you had a friend that every time they came to school, they had Lunchables for, your, for their lunch, and you're like, oh, man, if only had parents that cool. You know, or maybe somebody had, you know, older siblings, and you only had younger siblings, so, something like that. I had a couple buddies in high school that I hung out with that had pretty different family situations. One of them lived in a neighborhood. He was a single kid, and he had a Commodore 64. So I don't, some of you don't even know what that is. That's okay. Um, it's a gaming computer. Well, that's what you used it for primarily. And then I had another buddy who lived on a big old farm in a big old house with a big old family, and they had a ping pong table, right? And, and I loved going over and hanging out with them. I mean, we would hang out all the time throughout high school, and I enjoyed the time that I shared in each of those families and those times there for, for different reasons. And so, sure, there were times that I was like, well, I wonder what it would have been like to have been an only child. That would have been, uh, you know, that would have been kind of neat because I would have gotten all the stuff, right? Or, or what would have been like to live on a big old farm with a big old family, you know, and, and, and that would have been, been pretty, pretty neat. And of all the different ways, though, that we know that we've experienced family and we know others have experienced family in our lives, if you could choose your family, what would your criteria be? I think that most of us would start off thinking about the things that maybe we wish we had in our family, Many of the things that were lacking, uh, the ways in which we wish things would have been a little bit different and that we missed out on. Ideally, we'd all grow up with a mom and dad who are submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, who love one another and share that love for their children. But not all of us have grown up that way. That hasn't been the experience that all of us have shared. And if that's what God wants for us to have experienced and we didn't, you know, sometimes I think we're left wondering, do we just, you know, are we just out of luck and we just have to deal with the hand that we're dealt? Well, I think that comes a lot from a matter of perspective alongside the choices that we make along the way. 
Because whatever shortcomings our families may have had and still do have because none of our families are perfect, in whatever ways we weren't provided what we need from our relatives, long before we were ever a twinkle in our parents' eye, God chose us to be a part of his family. Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter 1 at the very beginning of his letter to the church in Ephesus, and he says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And this is the ideal that all of our families are meant to be pointed toward, this invitation that God gives us into his family. You can have the perfect house in the perfect neighborhood with the perfect marriage, with the perfect kids, and with the perfect dog, and the perfect school district, but if you don't have this, if you don't have this family of God that God invites us into, you're missing what your family needs the most. And you can be the single parent struggling and wishing things were different, but if you are pursuing this adoption into God's family that he desires for each and every one of us, you are providing everything that your family needs. And maybe your parents gave you everything, or maybe they gave you absolutely nothing. But all of that can be overcome because as much as our family matters, God's family matters even more. We might not be able to choose our family, but God chooses each and every one of us for his. And whatever our successes and shortcomings, whatever the nature and nurture we receive, this both heals our family wounds and it gives value to our family wins. One of the things that Renee and I try to teach our kids is that as much as we love them, as much as we want the best for them and want to teach them the wisest way that we know how, is that God loves them infinitely more, his best for them is infinitely greater, and there's no wiser path in life than following Jesus. Those are the three most important things that we can leave with our kids. And this is something that we have to model and teach them as best we can because by default, we associate our personal identity with our family's identity the most. And research bears this out. Barner Research uh, has done research on this and, and they write this, adults are most likely to point their family to their families making up a significant part of their personal identity. Being an American comes second, not that that creates any problems for us at all. And religious faith is third. And, and you could probably anticipate as a pastor what I might say about how those things are generally ordered in our lives, that maybe we have those things a little bit out of, out of whack. God calls us into something different as he adopts us into his family through Jesus. In John chapter 1, as John is explaining who Jesus is, he writes this, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And so, you know, when we think about our relationship with Jesus and how that is meant to impact our life, not only should our personal identity flow from our discipleship to Jesus, but our family identity should as well, because it has the greatest impact on shaping who we are. 
In, in other words, being a part of God's family is more important and more transformative to our lives than our own natural family is meant, meant to be. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. This is not about compartmentalizing how we love and care for our, for our family, but it is about contextualizing how we approach and are influenced by our, by our family. Jesus, who loved his family, uh, who loved his earthly family, taught that we're to honor our fathers and mothers. Um, you, you know, there's no doubt whatsoever that our families matter, matter to God. We just need to make sure that our families don't matter more than being a part of God's family. That's where things get a little bit controversial, I, th- I think, or I, I suspect in, in our minds. What, wait a minute. What, what, is that, what does that mean? When family naturally makes up such a large part of our identity, it's easy to get stuck in a number of assumptions about how life is meant to be, who we are supposed to be, how relationships ought to be approached, and even how we think about God based on that, rather on who God is and what he claims about himself. And you've run up against this if you've ever been taught something or you believe something, um, doctrine or theology based on your family history versus what what scripture might actually say. Let me, let me give you a couple examples to, to let you know where I'm coming from here. Um, I, I've, had, uh, I've had these couple of examples more than once over the years as I've talked with people about what scripture has to say or you know, what it looks like to practically live out our faith. One, one is this. Well, that's not what my grandma believed. See, I told you this could be, this could be controversial, a little t- touchy. Grandma didn't believe that. Well, sometimes grandmas are wrong. I, I know. There's, the, there's, a, there's another clip for the social media there, Christina. Sometimes, sometimes grandma is, is, is wrong. Uh, another, another thing that I've heard is, hey, you said this, and, and I don't agree. And I would say, well, let's open up scripture, and here's the Bible verse that I read that statement from. So it's not really about what I have to say, but it's what God has preserved in his word for us to know and understand about him. Um, and so here, here's where it is. And they say, my family believes differently. And I say, okay. <laughs> you know, at that, that point, it's like, all right, it's not, not about me and what I have to say, but it is about what God's word and what it has to say. And here, here's what Jesus has to, has to say about these things, what should drive who we are and, and how we follow God. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 46, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, Jesus is teaching, he's performing miracles, tons of people have, have surrounded him. His mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. And someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. And Jesus replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Well, you know, Mary, Mary right, that's your mom. Jesus, did you forget, like, what's, what's going on here? And then pointing to his disciples, Jesus says, here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Earlier on in Mark chapter 3, before this encounter, Jesus, his family comes to, to him, and they're trying to pull him away from the crowds. They think, hey, man, you're, you're just this, you know, just this kid, you know, their brother, you know, these four brothers, they're looking at Jesus and thinking, yeah, you're, there's no way you are who, who you say you are. Of course, after the re- resurrection, they changed that. Um, and, and they do believe that Jesus is who he says he is. They're, they're concerned about what Jesus is up to. They think he's lost his mind with all these crowds of people coming along. Or, or maybe, you know, they're coming up to him because uh, they felt like they had some important news to share with him or the family vacation was scheduled and Jesus is making them late. Um, it's, it's definitely not that one. That's not, not what it is. But Jesus draws this really clear line in the sand on what family was going to take precedence in his life. 
and which family he was going to choose. And it was whoever was doing the will of his father in heaven. That was who his mother and brother and sister was. If our families matter so much that they shape who we are, God and his family have to be at the top of our priority list. Because we are only fulfilled in life when we are becoming who God has created us to be. This doesn't mean that we neglect our responsibility. I've got kids. It doesn't mean that everybody here is more important than my own family. But it does mean that I bring my family up within that understanding that their involvement and their priorities in other areas of life, this is going to be at the top of our list, is being a part of the family of God. Our involvement in God's family should be what helps to shape our family. And sometimes our family isn't going to understand that, or their belief is not going to be where your belief is, or maybe it's non-existent. But anytime we're being drawn to disengage from God's family in preference to any other person or thing, we're also disengaging our faith. Jesus takes this even further in Luke chapter 14 when he says this, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, by the way, if you want a lot of people to follow you, this is not what you say to them. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. I mean, yeah, if you've never heard that before, yes, Jesus, Jesus said this. It's right there in Luke, Luke chapter 14. And this is intentional hyperbole from Jesus, to be sure. It's to get people to stop and think. If you continue to read the rest of Luke chapter 14, see the context of what Jesus is talking about there. It's to get people to stop and think and consider what it actually means to choose to follow God over all others. For some people, this means utter family, to follow God in their life. It means utter family rejection. It means expulsion. It might even mean death. For some, this means that every family get-together will have tension. For some, this means that your relatives, perhaps, maybe even your spouse, will misunderstand you, that your kids will reject you, simply because you've placed God first in your life. And when it comes to how we prioritize life as a family, we no longer think of it in terms of our household. This is my family, but this is God's household. And this is his family. And so what does he want to see happen here among these people? You know, God's house isn't a building, but it's the people who gather together because of Jesus. And that is what makes up our family. And so what does this mean practically? It has to do with how we treat the family of God, namely our fellow believers in Christ and the church assembly that we gather together with and that we celebrate with, that we worship with, encourage, and serve together with. The church is not a purveyor of religious goods and services. So, so we, don't, we don't come here and hang out for a bit just to see what we can get out of, you know, this, this religion. That's not what this is about. It's a family that we choose to commit to because of our shared foundation of Christ that brings people from all different walks of life, all different types of experiences together because it's built on a foundation that is absolutely unshakable. That when the failure of our family to be everything that we needed it to be becomes apparent to us, we have God the Father to turn to, and that we have a globe full of spiritual mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers and grandfathers and grandmothers who surround us to share the nature and nurture that we are meant to have with one another, that God created us to be able to experience. And so our family is those, as Jesus defines it, those who do the will of the Father sets the approach to family for us. And when we engage our family with God's family, it draws us closer to what our family was always meant to be. 
This is why a church exists and why our faith isn't just personal, but it's communal. We're meant to experience it together and encourage it together and to live it out with one another. Even the way that our mission and strategy is set up as a church family here at Velocity um, to engage us in being disciples comes down to a practical way in which we can engage our faith within our own families. And so this is not, you know, the way that we think about who we are as a church, the way that we live out our faith is not as a separate organizational structure that we maintain in addition to all the other things that we're involved with, but this is a part of who we're called to be as disciples of Jesus. Our mission, for example, is helping people find Jesus and love God. This is what we should be about, not just as a church, but within our families, is helping people in our families and helping them find Jesus and helping them learn to to love God. This is what we want people to receive from us as a body of believers. It comes from the greatest commandment from Jesus, comes from the great commission from Jesus. It's what we should be about as a church and as such what we should be about as individual followers of Jesus. The only way this works is if we put it into practice wherever we are. And our own families are the perfect place for us to start and be engaging what Jesus has called, who Jesus has called us to be. And then it flows outward from there as we put that into practice. As we help people, they see Jesus in us. And the more they see Jesus, the more, the more opportunity they're given to grow to love God. And even our strategy in how we put this into practice as a church, yet we can put that mission into practice into every area of our life, but especially our families, even the strategy that we set forth about what that looks like, okay, what do we do practically in order for this mission to, to exist and be a part of who God has called us to be, can be put into practice in our family life. It's meant to be a part of that. Uh, you see this on signs as you walk into our lobby right above the coffee, which you may not even see anymore, right? Because you're like, oh, no, there's coffee. And so that's why I go to that side of the lobby. But our three C's are celebrate, connect, and contribute. Every Sunday, we prioritize celebrating God as our audience of one for all that he is and all that he creates us to be. And our families need to be centered around that celebration as well. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. And this act of celebration in our life is essential and foundational to our faith. Without it, we flounder. It's the same within our own families. The more we come together, the more we prioritize who God is building us together to be, the more we recognize and engage with his indwelling spirit among us. Our presence has never been about what we get out of it, but about what we bring to him as the object of our affection and worship due to the presence of Jesus as our Savior. More than anything else, we need to be reminded of who we are to be in light of who God is. And as we increasingly live in a world that does not celebrate this and only gives a shaky foundation that doesn't provide what we need, that's, that's when we need to make it even more important in our lives. The second one is connect. So celebrate and connect. Uh, just because you're family with someone doesn't mean you're close. I don't know if, I don't, I don't know, if you know that. But that, that's true. Just because you live in the same house with someone doesn't necessarily mean you're close. It takes intentionality, unselfishness, and priority to be in relationship with other people. There's nothing tougher than going through life's highs and lows and not having people to share it with. 
And this is not about having to get married if you aren't, or having kids if you don't plan to, or anything like that, but it is about friendship and the relationships that we receive by being family with one another. The most introverted person in the world needs other people. And in order to have relationships, we have to, we have to make relationships. And even that, more than that, we're not meant to keep ourselves for ourselves. And so Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So just like each of us should be creating time within our own marriages, with our parents, with our kids, we should be creating time to connect and be with other members of God's family. And so you know how we do that practically here at Velocity. Those of you who have been here more than one Sunday know that we do that through small groups and that we have men's groups, we have women's groups, we have small groups that meet. We've got summer connection events that are coming up here. You can check that out, velocitychurch.info here in a couple weeks, that are coming up solely for us to create opportunities to develop spiritual friendships, the relationships that we need, spiritual family relationships that we need to be a part of God's family that we should be seeking to make even, even, even on our own. Finally, contribute. Celebrate, connect, and contribute. Those are, those are three C's that's our strategy for helping people find Jesus and love God. Here's a free parenting tip the be- that you didn't ask for and may, and may not want, right? I, I get that. The best thing that you can possibly do for your child is help them become contributors to your family. Or really, this could work for anyone in your family. I mean, it works for spouses, works for deadbeat uncles, you know, whoever it might be, to, to help people be contributors to, to your family. If all we become are consumers, everyone is hurt by it. When you're in a family and if all you're thinking is, well, what are they doing for me or why aren't they doing this for me and not what can I contribute for us, then you've missed what being a part of a family is all about. Self-absorption does not create family. If you ever left something sitting out to see how long it would take somebody else to notice it in your family, have you ever done that in your house as an experiment? You should try that this week. Just leave something sitting out and just see how long it takes for anybody to take, take care of it. Uh, you know what I mean. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, Paul writes this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. The way in which we are serving in our family energizes us for how we engage the world because when we are more closely connected to what our relationships mean to each other, the difference that we make in our life, it begins to change and shift our perspective you know, to, to, the, to the way that God calls us to grow with and among each other. One of the things that you know, I'm excited about here at our church is, is that Sarah has been, has been working on this for, for a while as our youth and outreach director. And we're gonna be serving every third Saturday every other month. So we've got three months that we're gonna be doing this for the rest of the year with Moments of Hope. And they are the homeless ministry that we partnered with for Advent. We raised money and we, we, were, we were part of that. And we're gonna be a part of this uh, feeding lunch program that they do, which is, which is much bigger than that. You can go to velocitychurch.info and check that out. And we've got opportunities for people to be a part of different teams to, to make that happen. 
You know, so as a church, we think, we think in terms of, all right, helping people find Jesus and love God. How can we, how can we help people? You know, so you make, you make those connections, right, with the mission, with the strategy. So helping people find Jesus and love God. So how do we do that? Well, as we contribute, right, as we're a part of serving one another, as we're a part of serving in our community, we're, we're helping people. And as a result of that, as we're connecting with people, we're being Jesus in their lives. And so we're connecting them to who Jesus is. And so they start to see him through us and through our actions and through our speech. And as a result of that, we bring people to a place where they can celebrate what God has done and is doing in their life. And so hopefully you see how some of those things connect and work together and how they're meant to be a part of our lives, not just as a, as a church, as part of God's family, but in every, every areas of our lives, every area of, the lives, of our lives, we're called to put these things in, into practice as disciples of Jesus. And so not only do we have opportunities to, you know, to serve and, and to be a part of the community, like, like we are with Fresh Start and, and other, other areas and, and, and places that we partner with, but just even within our church family, whether it's serving in Velocity Kids or prepping communion or helping make sure the building's clean or, you know, all the things that immediate, you know, all the things that, that go on, mowing the grass, uh, all those things that happen that people contribute to, like Chip mentioned earlier, you know, volunteers are the backbone of our, yeah, because, because that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, is to be engaged with the work of, of the kingdom. Family matters. And, and we, all, we all need one. And God adopts us into his family so that we are never without one. R- regardless of what our experience is, no, no matter how great or how terrible our family you know, might be in our perspective right now in our lives, that God invites us into his. He adopts us into his through, through Jesus. And may we choose to be a part of that family. So, so that our earthly family will be a part of that family too. This is, this is what it means to be a part of God's family. This is what it means to have a family that, that is raised uh, to be a godly family because family matters. It shapes who we are, and it's how God works in and through our lives to, to shape us and who he's created us to be. Let's pray. God, family can either be the most uncomfortable subject or the, or the greatest subject. I, I mean, there's, there's such a broad spectrum in how we experience those things. Some of us have had an amazing experience with our families. Other of us can't stand our families. And God, everywhere, everywhere between in, in that perspective, you, you draw us to see a better way. Even in the greatest family that we could possibly have, you, you show us, a, you show us a, a better way through your son, Jesus. That, that not, only, not only can we be shaped and transformed by the family that we grow up in and with, but that you, you can work through that to transform and shape and change the lives of, of other people, to draw people from all kinds of different walks of life and experiences into the same family that has the same goal, and that is to glorify you. And through that, through glorifying you, through celebrating you, through connecting with you, contributing to who you've created us to be, that, that we can experience life and start to, start to see a glimmer of, of what life was always meant, meant to be from the very beginning. God, we ask that you give us the courage and the strength that we need, the peace the hope that we need to incorporate 
who you've called us to be as disciples of Jesus into our everyday family living and to see how it changes things for us, to help us to see how it, it matters to be a part of your family and the way that we engage and the way that we prioritize that helps, helps us in, in our own personal families. God, we, we praise you for the way in which you work in every area of our lives, that there's no place in which you can't make lasting eternal change. God, we praise you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.